Welcome back, everybody, for an extensive look at the week six trade market. My name's Byron Lambert, and we've got a lot of business to handle this week. So step into my office for the week six rosterwatch.com tradecast. We're going to get to some examples directly from our subscribers over the course of this podcast. We'll pull those from the message boards at rosterwatch.com. We'll also pull those from Twitter. You guys can follow us and interact with us over there at Rosterwatch. But first, let's get to the fallout from week five. We'll begin with the fallout from the sell side of the running back market in week five. Uh, it looks like that was golden advice last week to ship LaShawn McCoy, Daryl Williams, and Wayne Gallman out the door for whatever you could get. While with Jordan Howard, Todd Gurley, and James Conner, it looks like we have a window that remains open. It was another 13 cockamamie touches for Jordan Howard this week on only a 43% snap count. Once again, it was a touchdown that salvaged the day. Still running at over 50% touchdown dependency. Sell Jordan Howard while you can. Sell Jordan Howard while you can, while his value is at a peak on the season. If you couldn't get a deal done last week, you might be able to get that same deal done this week because now his value, if it didn't go up over the course of the last week, it certainly has solidified. I would go circle back on any of those offers from last week with Jordan Howard and try to reconstruct, recreate them uh, here in week six. Let's talk about Todd Gurley, running back 18 on the season in standard. He was a guy that was on the sell side of the week five running back market right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Look, right now he's heading into week six. He's running back 18 on the season in standard. He has a bad matchup this week against San Francisco, one of the tougher matchups uh, over on the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. He's got a decent one in Atlanta. And a good one in Cincinnati on the horizon in the next few weeks uh, subsequent to this matchup with San Francisco. You know, but Gurley went from 40% touchdown dependent last week to 49% touchdown dependent this week on the season. I'm pulling all of this data from the touchdown dependency tool over at rosterwatch.com. It was another two touchdown game in week five for Gurley and on only 57 yards. So, you know, he could be a hold or a sell. Um, you know, he could have a serviceable next four to six weeks coming up for sure. I mean, they, he may just score touchdowns in that offense, and there are some decent matchups along the way. You just wonder if some of the upside is gone on the season from Todd Gurley, and you certainly worried with the touchdown dependency that you could have regression on the production that you've get, been getting so far. So, look, uh, I definitely think we've got to consider to continue selling Todd Gurley in the right deals this week. We can get to some of those towards the end of the program when we're uh, constructing some mock trade examples uh, here for the audience. James Conner, another guy that maybe got a little kiss from serendipity. We never hate to see uh, injury to anybody, but look, it was only still 14 touches last week for James Conner and only 55 yards. He was on the sell side of the week five market over here at rosterwatch.com. Look, he got the touchdown in week five and he would have been a sell again this week on those 14 touches. Uh, and obviously the third string quarterback coming in for week six, that's not good for business for anybody this week. So, but you know, however you have the Jalen Samuels injury, arthroscopic knee surgery, looks like he'll be out for at least a month, and we're getting the news uh, that Mason Rudolph is returning sooner than later. He's already returned at least limited to practice. It sounds like his Im- return is imminent, if not this week, which hopefully he doesn't play this week. 
potentially the next week. So Fortune may have it for those of you who weren't able to ship James Conner off in a big deal for a premium player last week uh, that he, he may very well have turned into a hold here with the news on Mason Rudolph and with the news on Jalen Samuels. Uh, still those 14 touches are something that we're going to need to, you know, to continue to watch. Then over on the week five uh, wide receiver market last week, we told you to sell Tyrell Williams. We told you to sell Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, it was a, he was pedestrian in an awesome matchup in week five. And now he's got Minnesota, Dallas, Buffalo, Chicago up next. No thank you, Alshon Jeffrey. If you couldn't sell him last week, you certainly should try this week. Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman, we said it was probably time to think about cutting bait. If you could get something serviceable in return or make those guys throw-ins into a big deal that really sent you a premium player uh, back, that's looking good. We told you to get out from underneath A.J. Brown and Corey Davis if you could, when you could, for as much as you can. That looked good. Sterling Shepard, again, we never like to see injury you know, affect anybody's fortunes in real life, really, or fantasy fortunes. But injury has it that if you sold him last week, that turned out it was a good sell. You know, the other guys that maybe the jury's still out a little bit on from the week five uh, wide receiver trade touts, Jarvis Landry, you know, for obvious reasons, I think. I mean, he had the pretty explosive week we're telling you to sell high off of, one of his most explosive weeks in his career. You know, and then he comes back this week and strings together in a bad, bad week for the Cleveland Browns. Strings together at least another service, serviceable to respectable performance. So, you know, is there enough value there? Can you sell him currently? You know, is there a situation where maybe he's just the most reliable wide receiver on the Browns right now? And it's not a bad thing, you know, if you're going to own him. Uh, <clears throat> How worried are you about these Browns? Do you went out from underneath these guys as soon as you can, as fast as you can, so you're just out of the Cleveland Browns business and you're ready to you know, ship Jarvis Landry off? So he was a sell this last week. Uh, I think he can continue to be a sell, but I, I could see how he may be viewed a little bit differently this week. Uh, but I, I would say that's a misnomer. We have a big, big Big history of Jarvis Landry. These guys are getting the buy soon. Um, you know, there's a good chance that this thing sorts itself back and regresses towards Odell Beckham. Or if this is just a bad team, I don't care if he's been the best so far. I, I just think Jarvis Landry is is probably still a sell if you can. But maybe folks are sour on Cleveland in your league. I'm, I'm talking through this just right here, stream of consciousness, live on the Tradecast. These ideas just keep coming to me. Uh, So Jarvis Landry, a hold or a sell. And if he's a hold, it's because your league mates don't want him likely because they're not interested in a piece of this Cleveland offense right now. Robert Woods, we told you to sell him last week. So we would have said that was another great tout, great recommendation. However, the Brandon Cooks injury, once again, injury creeping up and affecting these fantasy fortunes. Even though it was a down week for Robert Woods last week, you would have felt great about selling him in a deal in a package deal for a good player in return you would have felt amazing about that after this last week had we not had the news that brandon cooks was concussed so you know that's going to be short-lived he may even play this week if he gets through the protocol 
if he doesn't play this week, it may be a good time to still – actually, it would be a good time. That'll, that'll kind of give us some artificial value to Robert Woods this week during the first week of like principal week of, you know, of buys in the season. This is the first week where we got quite a few buys hitting. So, you know, as I think through this, it comes clear to me that Robert Woods, especially kind of hoping Brandon Cooks doesn't play, get his value back up. If you got to use him, fire that bullet. If not, I think that bolsters your case uh, to continue to continue to sell on Robert Woods a big week, two weeks ago, a pedestrian week this week. But if you throw in the news that Cooks is down, that might make him a little bit more of an attractive option to continue to try to sell on. Um, so uh, looking really, really good from the sell side of the week five trade market. On the buy side, we told you the big fish was Saquon Barkley. If you got him, congratulations. Uh, he still may be a week or two away, but you're feeling very, very good about that. Joe Mixon, we told you, you know, Everybody at some point can become a buy low, and if he can be had for cheap enough, even though we weren't really previously interested in him on the season, that he had some allure. So it was still a low snap count for Joe Mixon, uh, a low a snap count, a low sixty percent, which is indicative really of like low end RB twos for the most part. But he got the twenty one touches and a hundred yards. Like the trend continues that his snap counts aren't there, but when he's in there, there he's getting the ball at uh, you know a higher than usual rate from across the league. So you know I'd say if Joe Mixon is still a buy low in your league somehow, we're seeing you know this thing is is, is we thought he was a buy low last week. He had a pretty decent week behind that. I'd say he's just a guy to continue to keep an eye on. If he becomes available by chance, more than likely it'll be from a losing team. It won't be from a winning team that trades Joe Mixon because they're thinking similar thoughts but a losing team you might be able to pick them off for somebody like that and god what if you're a winning team and you're able to like slide joe Mixon into your flex as the season progresses i certainly don't hate that idea this is alex dunlap i'm the editor-in-chief at rosterwatch.com i'm the host of roster watch on sirius xm fantasy sports radio with one quick message for you if you do not rate and review this podcast and apple podcasts you will not get it anymore if we don't get up to 500 reviews in Apple Podcasts, which is an egregious number to even shoot for, considering the number of you who listen to this, the number of freeloaders who listen to this, without being pro members of rosterwatch.com, without taking the literal three to four seconds it takes to scroll down under available episodes in your Apple Podcasts app and just click five stars. I don't care if you leave a review. I don't care what you do. I just need 500 ratings and reviews for this podcast before next week or the Tradecast and the DFS breakdown and walkthrough are going behind the paywall at rosterwatch.com. Austin Eckler, uh, you know, this is funny. I want to get to – let's get to an example from – I believe this one was from Twitter actually. Uh, I'll go right to this one. this came in on Sunday during the games, and this was from Grant on Twitter. He said, did Melvin Gordon mess up some chemistry on the offense? He seems slow and indecisive. Broncos had a good pass rush. I immediately replied because I was suspicious at this point. Are you an Austin Eckler owner? And he replied, yes. And so the reason I asked that is because that was pretty clearly to me 
an Austin Eckler owner who was very nervous going into the week, trying to rationalize, probably over-rationalize, trying to pull the silver lining out of what happened in this one-week timeshare with Melvin Gordon. And in their minds, they're going to now think Austin Eckler is a standalone flex player rest of season. Maybe it's right, but there's a good chance that you guys are overreacting to what happened in a pretty obvious situation where Melvin Gordon's, of course, he's going to come back and be in a timeshare this last week. We'll, we'll get to that more later because I think some of the sheen is off of Melvin Gordon on the season as well. And uh, we'll go more into depth on that. But it's pretty clear to me that Austin Eckler owners are going to talk themselves into what happened last week is going to be the norm or close to the norm with Melvin Gordon moving forward. And I hate to break it to him, but uh, I find that very, very unlikely. Uh, you're going to need to uh, readjust your expectations in all likelihood. So Austin Eckler was on the sell side of things last week. Uh, we had that question come in Sunday, which basically just put me on onto the evaluation that at this point, I don't think there's a deal to be had for Austin Eckler with the Melvin Gordon owners, and neither is there one to be had and vice versa. It looks like our window is closed on that one for a little while, and it may never happen. We told you last week it may never happen, and that's okay. If you, it, not, you know, it's, It would have been nice in one di- direction or the other, but every deal, it has to be a good deal. You don't just do deals uh, to do deals. So we had a little window here to get something done with Austin Eckler owners uh, this last couple of weeks. Uh, and we'll keep an ear to the ground for maybe future opportunistic situations that present themselves. But at this point, I think that Austin Eckler, who was on the uh, kind of on the buy side of things, panicked Austin Eckler owners on the buy side of things last week for Melvin Gordon owners trying to obtain that handcuff. I'd see that's gone poof and up in smoke uh, at the moment because the Austin Eckler owners are going to overreact to the timeshare this last week with Melvin Gordon and overvalue him at the moment. So that's going to nix that. Devin Singletary, he heads of the Buffalo Bills, the rookie. He's been out with the hamstring for several weeks. Uh, We were thinking that was a guy that was very interesting to circle back around on cheap in the last few weeks. If you could get him as a throw, and I kind of like him in a competitive league, you know, down the stretch to maybe have a little juice as a flex, uh, as these other guys fade over there and they try to feature him more. Uh, but we were a little bit concerned that he was limited in practice and he might play and that was the cat would be out of the bag. Uh, but things have worked in our favor and now uh, it, lo- it, it looks like it actually could be a more interesting situation to circle back on Devin Singletary in a deeper competitive situation or as a throw-in guy. He'd be a throw-in guy I would really love to get if we had to t- you know discuss one of these you know, like two for three trades that we say are the close cousins of the two for ones that we really covet. We'll get to more of that strategy uh, here in a little while. Like Devin Singletary could be the third guy that somebody throws in that equalizes a deal for me where the two principles aren't of equal value. And I could say, you know, or where the, you know, the, the, the two principles or even four principles aren't of equal value. So uh, Latavius Murray, only seven touches in the two weeks before week five, but he rebounded with the nine touches last week. We've been kind of imploring the Alvin Kamara owner to take advantage of this situation with Breeze being out and with the limited usage of Murray to lock his 
handcuff up, you know, the Alvin Kamara owner who would have loved to have drafted Latavius Murray, even probably in like round nine if they would have had to this season. But he was just being drafted so much early. It was an unrealistic handcuff to get during your drafts. This is another chance for Kamara owners to be smart, to be wise, to circle around and try to get Latavius Murray for peanuts or they may just want to keep even an eye on the wire because Latavius Murray is certainly being dropped in some leagues as well. As we wrap up the fallout from the week five trade market before we move on to all the new targets for week six and some new evaluations and analysis for the week six trade market, how that sets up, who we're targeting, who we might be selling, our thoughts and opinions on those guys that we're not sure exactly what to do with. And then we'll construct some examples, some mock trades at the end of this podcast uh, to get you guys going, give you an idea, a path to move forward uh, this week on the trade market. Look, it was a big hit last week. If you bought Mike Williams, like we told you to, 13 targets, you felt good if you got in on John Brown and DK Metcalf, who had nice weeks last week. Felt good if you got in on DJ Moore, like we told you to last week. It wasn't a, a groundbreaking week, but I think we're getting closer to Cam Newton getting back, and it was certainly a solid week uh, for DJ Moore. And then, you know, we know that what's happening right now, I mean, even when Cam was in at the beginning of the season, it's kind of, things were kind of flip-flopping between Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, which was maybe fine when there was more to go around and more upside in a given week. That's certainly been, you know, uh, capped a little bit here. Uh, So, you know, Curtis Samuel was the guy that maybe took the hit a little bit last week. But, you know, there's uh, certainly a little bit of a buy low in a DFS situation. Uh, Looking forward to week six. And then, of course, we're here to talk about season-long trade strategy. I Still a guy that in general... As long as I think Cam Newton is coming back, I'm, I can be interested in him being like a cheap flex with upside that I obtain. You know, maybe like a, at this point, like a Devin Singletary we just spoke about a little earlier. Maybe more one of these throw-in guys. It's an equalizer in a trade that you're, you know, that uh, you're trying to equal out. Uh, he's a guy that I, I would I would like as a stash on my bench. Some of the cells from last week. Uh, Excuse me. Some of the buy side wide receivers last week that remain relevant heading into week six. I mean, we'll start with the big fish, DeAndre Hopkins, basically a wide receiver three on the season, wide receiver 28 to be exact in standard so far at less than nine points per game, less than nine targets per game. And, you know, already at an average touchdown dependency rate for. DeAndre Hopkins. So what does that tell us? It's not like his it's not like he's not getting the fantasy production because he's not scoring touchdowns at a normal rate right now, which is the case with so many of these other buy low guys. With DeAndre Hopkins, you're just hoping that his targets are gonna go up and that this Texans team heats up, which the offense looks like it's going to heat up. Jury's still out on Hopkins touches. I mean targets. They should go up. That should go up. I mean, close to nine, that's close. I mean, you get can we get close to 10? We start feeling a lot better about DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I mean, his owners have to be worried at the, this point. I mean, they're definitely worried. This has been a painful dry spell for them. And, uh, I mean, the only person people might feel worse about is Odell, and we'll talk about him about in a second. I think that Houston Texans offense is waking up, and so is Deshaun Watson. So I'm still very interested in buying DeAndre Hopkins as an elite wide receiver 
on the buy side of the wide receiver market heading into week six. This is a pretty rare opportunity. That window could have easily shut on us this last week. It was his teammate, Will Fuller, who was the benefactor of that. We'll certainly be getting to him later in this podcast. Uh, but I mean, what a good situation where DeAndre Hopkins, the window remains open on him. I think you have, if you, whether you went in on DeAndre Hopkins last week or not on the trade market, you got to circle back. You got to get in on it this week. I know I'll be examining that in every single one of my leagues. We just mentioned Odell Beckham this week, maybe next week heading into the buy are probably our last chance to trade for Odell Beckham for the foreseeable future. Uh, if owners keep him over the upcoming buy, it's Seattle and then it's the buy for Odell. Uh, they won't be selling soon if they absorb that buy. And look, if your hands off on Odell, you're fine. Kind of like we said with the Jarvis situation because you're just out of the Cleveland Browns business. I would understand that. you know. But I would say it's worth right now for the 5-0 and or maybe even 4-1 and teams. Uh, even with – look, it's New England uh, – Denver and Buffalo coming up out of the bye for Odell. So it's uh, – let's just double-check here. It's going to be um, Seattle this week for Odell Beckham. It'll be a bye after that, and then he's going to come out of the gate with New England, Denver, Buffalo, all very tough matchups for fantasy wide receivers. So I don't know if his owners are aware of that or not. That – any – objective evaluator with all that information will say like that's definitely a hit to his his value so if you can't get him now we may look back later in the season and say man this was a blessing because i can i'm even going to get a better deal on him a little bit later in the season heading towards the end of the trade line uh, deadline i'm not going to have to absorb all these horrible matchups with them still all that said if i'm five and oh four and one regardless of the buy regardless of the matchups regardless of what's been going on in cleveland I mean, I'm I'm gonna take some I'm gonna take some shots at Odell Beckham this week, um, and like I said, if not, we can maybe aim again in four to six weeks for a big late season ad right before the trade deadline. Fifteen percent touchdown dependency on only eight point six targets per game for Odell so far in the season. Less than eight points per game in standard. It's definitely a calculated risk, but he remind he remains on the buy side of the wide receiver market coming out of week five and continuing on through week six. Marquise Brown was another guy that we had on the buy side of the wide receiver market last week. He had the touchdown, but not a huge week, and then a little bit of an ankle injury. Uh, So look, if he's still a buy low in your league, keep at it with Marquise Brown. Uh, Otherwise, it was a – otherwise, it was solid – a week last week and i'd say he continues to be a hold if you were able to obtain him last week you should feel good about it and that was a good recommendation and 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 good advice i know alex was real keen on trading for josh gordon last week i think we need to start to accept the idea that he's probably a good wide receiver two or three type with you know quite a bit of upside being tied just to tom brady and still being pretty good i don't think he's the guy that he was and i think it's kind of uh, wishful thinking uh, to hope that that that, that returns. Uh, but look, I'm happy to plug along with Josh Gordon if I got him last week. And he could still be a reasonable buy this week coming off of only a 59-yard game last week. He's really only had two decent games on the season so far. No real monsters. You know, the question really is, do the monsters exist with Josh Gordon anymore? 
I mean, when you see the eight targets and the eighty-six percent snap count last week, you think you think probably so in a Tom Brady offense. You know, not to the extent that they we've seen them in years past, but still some 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 amount of reasonable upside in a solid schedule the next month or so before the bye for Josh Gordon. So uh, I think if if you can, if you got Josh Gordon last week, he was a fine trade. You're not giving up too much for him because we're realizing what he is. If you can still get him this week, I'd say same thing. Just set those expectations properly. And, you know, pro- proper expectations is probably what the Patriots had because the more you think about it, if Josh Gordon was the Josh Gordon of old, New England may have never toiled with Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster was on the buy side of the Week 5 rosterwatch.com trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast where you guys come every week of the season for a extensive and comprehensive analysis but an actionable analysis that's based on strategy uh, that you know pretty simply gives you guys all the targets on the week uh, as far as the sells and the buys mock examples of what type of trades to construct in order to pull those deals off. Uh, We get great information into the inner workings of every one of these players. And as we drill down into all of their data, exploring their relevancy and their value to the trade uh, market every, every week. And look guys, this is this along with the waiver wire is how we optimize our team throughout the season. So uh, let's keep up with it. Now we said last week that Juju Looked like he was a solid buy. And I'd say as long as the reports that we're seeing today that Mason Rudolph's comeback is imminent, as long as those come to fruition, I mean, God, you hope he doesn't play this week. But sounds like he got knocked out like a fighter. You guys have ever – I know Alex was a little bit surprised by the reaction – of the physiology of Mason Rudolph when he got knocked out. I mean, he, he I watch fights a lot. He just took one right on the chin. That's what's called the button. And his lights went out once, and then his head slammed the ground when he cr- crumpled to the floor. And his lights, his brain got rattled again. His lights went out again. So, I mean, it's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty solid concussion. And a lot of times you'll see these guys, they convulse. It's just the body's natural reaction uh, to being that concussed. Um, but it sounds like he's coming back. Uh, sooner than later. So, uh, you know, Juju is probably a hold at this point, just given the situation. Uh, But I'd still consider shipping him off uh, in a deal for an elite player now that his value has rebounded a bit. I mean, he was a buy last week because he was so cheap. But on the flip side, if we think Mason Rudolph's coming back, and we think that Juju's value is rebounded on paper. I mean, if you look at his game long, it looks pretty good on paper. You maybe have uh, a guy uh, you can sell here. So a hold or a seller for Juju, but you can't, you can't buy him. You're not going to buy him coming off of a good week when, with the third string you know, quarterback coming in. So that's the situation with Juju as we wrap up uh, all of the fallout from the week five trade market as we look towards – uh, week six. Uh, first, guys, a little bit of housekeeping before we dive into the entirety of the week six trade market. Let's remember to identify the losing teams in our week every in our league every week. Then the next step is to identify the sell highs on your roster. Whether you roster any of the sell highs 
that we talk about on this podcast. Uh, and then you also need to look on those losing teams if you've identified, do they roster any of the buy lows or the, just the, simply the buys? Not everybody's a sell high or a buy low. Some people are just sells or buys. That's really what we're talking about. And then you need to take advantage of that situation all season long after going through that process every week, identifying the losing teams, identify the sales on your roster, identify the buys on the losing roster, and then you take advantage of that situation all season long by offering two-for-one deals, trade offers. Uh, We'll call those consolidation trades where we offer two good players and get one really good one back in return, and we offer those two good players to a losing team as we pillage the roster for the very best players that they own. But look, guys, you know, winning teams take advantage of losing teams. We still, to really be effective and to be efficient, we still have to make offers that make sense to the losing team. So let's quit wasting everybody's time every week and make offers that actually make sense for the losing team. And what makes sense for the losing team is trading them players that if you're trying to rip them off for their best players, they need to get a couple of guys they feel good about that they can start. Um, and you need to, you you have to, you can't make them offers that are going to screw up their best starting lineup for this week uh, because they're not going to do those. They're in desperation, survival mode. Their um, modus operandi for this week is to win and to win only. And even if they are approached with a trade that, is a great offer if it's not going to help them this week or if it's going to hurt them this week they just simply can't afford to make it or at least a smart player uh, can't afford to make it and as far as those two for one trades that we preach uh, up and down about uh, I, we uh, we pontificate about those for sure uh, throughout the entire of each of those of these episodes that's the theme of the season those consolidation trades for you guys set a personal record make it a goal this season to set a personal record for how many two-for-one consolidation trades that you can make this season. I promise you it'll be one of the best seasons you've ever had. But you know, remember, don't just trade to trade. we got to make rational and calculated decisions to improve our teams on the season, our rosters on the season. We also need to improve our chances for winning this week and every other week of the season. We can never lose sight of winning this week. We need to make meaningful trades at skill positions. Quit overpaying for quarterbacks. And we need to make trades at areas of need. You know, guys, sit down and figure out what does my – we need to look at these buys and these sells, but we need to sit down every week and say what does my team need to be – what does my team need in order to be the very best version it can be, to be the biggest monster I can build? What is it that my team actually needs? That has to factor in too. So figure in – when you figure out what the buys are for the week, you got to match that up with what you've analyzed the needs of your team to be, right? I mean, that's the ideal uh, marriage. When you're making these trades, uh, I get too many damn, we'll get to some of these tweets and messages on the site at rosterwatch.com where you guys want to do trades that are going to send starters, good starters to your bench. It just... It doesn't make any sense. We don't want to be – yes, we want to be building the equity across our entire roster right now and we're eventually going to shift it all forward into our uh, starting roster over the course of the of, of the season as we gear up for the players uh, – for the playoffs. But we can't – we can't be sending – we can't – it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be making trades right now that send good players uh, to our bench. So I just see too much of that. Who is your backup tight end? I want to get to that email 
uh, really quick. That was an email that came in. Uh, let me see here. No, this was a tweet. This was another tweet. This is another one I get. Last week I had to get on you guys about um, – Last week I had to get on you guys about overpaying for quarterbacks. And this guy, this week I have to get on you guys about thinking about, stepping through, thinking about what does this do to your bench and the situation with your tight ends is I'm getting so many damn tight end questions. So it was Jeff Crawford at Crawfitty on Twitter. He tweeted at Rosterwatch. What does Rosterwatch Nation think about trading Zach Ertz and getting Odell Beckham or Mike Evans? And obviously like that, Trade sounds decent in principle. I mean, Zach Ertz is one of the best is one of the best tight ends in fantasy, and who knows about OBJ? We think it's a decent trade, but we're not. That's not really what we want to do, right? We want to give up. We want to do two for ones. We want to trade like a lesser wide receiver that we'll get to in a minute and pair him up with somebody else, and that's who we want to trade for Odell Beckham or Mike Evans. But you know, he asked me this question, wanting a response, like. Is it a good trade? Is it a bad trade? Would I take it? Would I not? And instead of indulging him in that, he needs to be taken. Look, teach a man, you know, catch a man a fish, he eats for a day. But teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. And we want to teach you guys to fish. We want to teach you guys to hunt on the trade market every week. So I asked Jeff Crawford. I didn't give. I didn't answer his question. The best thing I could do for Jeff Crawford was. Show him my line of logic. So the first thing I asked him is, who is your backup tight end? If you're going to trade Zach Ertz, who is your backup tight end? And, you know, the next question, like I said, if you're going to trade for an Odell Beckham or a Mike Evans, who is that going to send to your bench? Who is that going to send to your bench? These are the questions you have to answer to yourself before you even come to me about whether this trade is a good trade or makes sense. You need to be able to answer those questions uh, every single time, Jeff Crawford and all the rest of you guys. By the way, Jeff Crawford, a very, very loyal and longtime subscriber and um, uh, very, very happy. So he sent us back. I'm looking at the tweet here, the, the thread at Jeff Crawford or Jeff Crawford at Crawfitty, a, a longtime follower on Twitter at Rosterwatch. He said, that sends Cortland Sutton to the bench and no backup tight end if I trade Zach Ertz. But Hawkinson and Jared Cook and a few middling options on waivers. So, I mean, there you go. There you go. If, if you had stepped through this, I mean, you have your answer. It's probably not a good trade. I mean, why in the hell would we do this trade for Odell Beckham and Mike Evans trading one of the best tight ends in the league? That's trading just a trade. I know those guys could be buy targets, but why would you trade one of the best tight ends in the league for Odell Beckham or Mike Evans if you don't if you didn't pick up a Will Disley or one of these other guys that's emerging as a really great waiver wire option? If you got Hunter Henry this week, you know, maybe we get another maybe the Gerald Everett thing turns out to be really real. Then then think about trading your starting tight end and a two for one for one of these elite players. But it's gonna leave you with I mean, I, we don't want. We like Hawkinson, obviously, and I saw Cook picked up quite a bit this week. Maybe, and I mean, I'm assuming it's with the expectation Breeze is coming back, but he wasn't even great with Breeze. And who knows if you're even going to be able to get those guys off of waivers? That's not a guarantee. They might be added uh, by somebody else. So, I mean, can you really afford to take the risk to push Cortland Sutton to your bench 
and be without a tight end, going from having one of the best tight ends in the league, which is really an advantage in the year where tight end is so thin, to go into a situation where you have no tight end. It just it, like you're, Every week you're going to have a player, you're going to have a horrible decision to make. Who do I put on my bench? It's going to be agonizing and painful. Uh, you're going to make the wrong decision a lot. How can you have a guy that good on your bench every week? It just, it, it, it like, it, it just, it, it doesn't make sense when your tight end position is weak. See what I'm saying? That equity needs to be in your starting lineup. So there you go, Jeff Crawford. Uh, I hope that that makes sense to you. And of course, come over to the message boards at rosterwatch.com and feel uh, free to ask any more. Don't do business with Chicken Little's Roster Watch Nation, and don't be a Chicken Little for that matter. We do not operate out of irrational levels of fear at rosterwatch.com we make the best decisions with the best information at hand at every turn of the season and we just let the chips fall where they may guys we're not going to win every single one of these but over the course of the season the wins are going to add up big it's a bunch of little batteries that are little battles that we win that are going to turn into a war that we win. I promise you it's going to make a difference for your team and for your fortunes to stay engaged right here on the trade market with rosterwatch.com to stay engaged on your waiver wire market with the waiver wire cheat sheet every week of the season at rosterwatch.com with a pro subscription. Um, So guys just keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. I can't say, I can't say it enough, uh, but be efficient with it because this is this is an arduous process. So I gave you guys the tips earlier, you know. Uh, identify, do you have sell highs or do you have sells on your roster? Identify the losing teams. Identify if they have uh, buy guys from this podcast. We've done the work for you. We're giving you the names. You're just kicking back, having a beer, listening to this, taking it all in. Maybe if you're maniacal, making a few notes or even making trades right now. Uh, on your fantasy platform as you're listening and then match those buys up with your needs right that's the way to make uh this efficient along with listening to this podcast uh every every single week of the season so for a more detailed discussion for those of you who are maybe new to this podcast on general early season trade strategy i would suggest you guys go on apple Podcasts, go back and listen to last week's trade cast the week five trade cast listen to the week four trade cast both of those we had real big opens with a lot of strategy in addition to what we've covered uh, here so far. And uh, guys, we're, we're, we're right now about to dive into the week six trade market. Of course, before we do, please rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and a glowing review. That means the world to us. Uh, and of course, uh, subscribe to the Roster Watch podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter at Roster Watch and support us by coming to the site, rosterwatch.com. And uh, that's enough. And if you guys want to support us uh, even more, we, we uh, would be thrilled if you would join our pro community. Uh, it's a great community. And many of these people have become, honestly, friends inside the Roster Watch community. And there's a lot of benefits to it. The pro subscription is a killer. It takes you step by step every day of the season very easily uh, through the fantasy season. We tell you exactly what to do. Um, at every every step, every day throughout the season, we give you the picks all the way. We make it easy so that you guys aren't the ones doing all the mind-numbing work. Uh, we are. Okay, let's get to the rest of the Week 6 trade market, beginning with the running backs. We'll start with none other than Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's the number three running back in all of fantasy right now. Um, 
19 touches per game, 51% touchdown dependency. Guys, and again, if you want to see these stats for yourself or you want to research your own players or make your own evaluations of the trade market or sit starts or anything else it is, you guys, if you want to do some of the mind-numbing work, uh, one of the tools we put, most of our tools aren't like that. They're all very simple to use, very digestible. They tell you exactly what to do. But the touchdown dependency tool is one of the fun tools every week. You can go in, sort through some of the stats yourself. If you like taking the deep dive, so 51% touchdown dependency for Aaron Jones on the season. Um, Could be a hold or could be a sell. I think there's some guys I'd rather have than him this week, so we'll get to those options. I tend to think, you know, you sell high on an Aaron Jones while you can coming off an absolute epic monster. Uh, I think we still need to see a little more out of Matt LaFleur, whether he's going to commit to him or not. And so much of this could have been circumstantial with Jamal Williams after what we saw to begin the season. That's obviously a situation we got to monitor. A 68% snap count with Jamal Williams out, you would have expected that to be higher for Aaron Jones. I mean, let's see here. I'm over at this. I'll just go right into the snap counts, touches and targets tool right now over at rosterwatch.com because, you know, what would be interesting to observe is not only what Aaron Jones snap count percentage was last week with Jamal Williams out, but let's see what it was in the weeks before that to see if it changed much. Jamal Williams in or Aaron Jones in week four was an 84% snap count participant. In week three, he was a 39% snap count participant. In week two, Aaron Jones was a 58% snap count participant. And in week one, he was a 59%er. So this thing has kind of been all over the map uh, with Aaron Jones, which is part of the deceit of the Matt LaFleur running game. I mean, you Derek Henry owners from last year know it very well. I, I would just estimate based on those numbers we just reeled off that his 68% snap count from last week is probably an average. That's probably about where he's settling in. And we always say that's that's we like to be above two-thirds, above 67% for our RB2s, especially our RB2s with upside. So it's fine, but that's not RB1 snap share on Aaron Jones. He's certainly a guy, if, you, if you're in that business, if you're a free Aaron Jones guy, I understand it, keep it. Hopefully things continue his favor. I need to see a little more out of Matt LaFleur before I start buying the Kool-Aid that he's going to uh, – they're finally going to commit to him as the number one back. And if they don't and he stays sub 70% uh, snap count and sub 20% touches, he's you probably need to settle in on the idea that Aaron Jones is like a low-end RB1 on the season. The big, big fish on this week's running back trade market – Everybody is Le'Veon Bell. This is a big, big buy this week. Of course, if you have him, it's a hold. Uh, It's been such a tough run with Sam Darnold out early and, of course, an early buy for the Jets. It's just made it a slow slog for Le'Veon Bell owners. Of course, it's, you know, and that's been painful for them. A lot of them are losing right now, which makes them a prime target. Of course, we've seen a lot out of Le'Veon Bell to really like so far this season. And, you know, obviously his owners have been waiting on him. So if they're not a losing team, they're not just going to give them up, and they're probably going to hold them. But if it's a Le'Veon Bell owner who is a losing team in my league, like that is the number one mandate 
of this podcast this week. That is um, the the my number one initiative personally in all of my leagues, leagues will be to investigate this. And look, at only running back 24 on the season in standard, he represents a massive buy opportunity at almost 25 touches per game and less than 14% touchdown dependency on the season. That's got a lot of room to go up which it would be a boon for his fantasy production, at least his consistency on a week-to-week basis, uh, which has been a bit of a problem. Last week was decent with Le'Veon Bell, even without Sam Darnold. So his owner may value him. This is going to come down to what is his owner's situation. Um, But I'm not sure his value, his owner, depends on how informed his owner is. I'm not sure his owner values him enough, even if he respects the performance Last week, I'm really in most situations poking around Le'Veon Bell this week. He's a top five running back option rest of the season, certainly with top three potential in any PPR format. Uh, He's at the very top of the league, eight targets per game for fantasy running backs. Doesn't get much better than that. And really nowhere to go up for Le'Veon Bell with Sam Darnold back and the buy out of the way. I mean, having that buy out of the way is very valuable as we got to rack up these important wins uh, you know, as the season escalates, the winds just get, you know, it's, they get exponentially. This is an exponential curve. It's a, I believe they say it's a parabola on the graph. Um, I want to add Le'Veon Bell wherever I can this week, uh, wherever it's reasonable to do so. I, I think we can use players like Aaron Jones, Mark Ingram, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley to get that done. We'll talk about that later when we mock up some trade examples. Hell, Maybe even a Devontae Freeman or a Tevin Coleman, two guys that we sent out a very interesting poll on on Twitter at Rosterwatch uh, during the Monday night football game. Got some interesting results on that one. If I mean, if I can use any of those aforementioned guys to go after Le'Veon Bell, I'm I'm probably doing it. And you know, it's not going to be to the same extent, but the same might go for Alvin Kamara. You know, another the biggest of the big fish in fantasy. I might aim for him like I aim for, aim for Le'Veon Bell this week, just depending on his owner's situation. He's a top 10 guy on the season, whereas Le'Veon Bell's been running back 24, I think it, even based on points per game this season. I know he's had the buy. So Bell's been more of a RB2 and, and obviously low-end RB2 and standard, better than that in PPR. Kamara has been all significantly better than that, but still – you know, more like closer to RB10. He's been just a top 10 guy uh, in standard. And we know that Alvin Kamara is really a top two, three guy, or for sure a top five guy. Most of y'all play half point or full point PPR. Obviously, Kamara, very, very valuable there. I'm not sure he's really available right now. But again, if it's a, a losing team that has him, this would be an absolutely amazing ad for a winning team. So, I mean, you got to kind of think of adding Alvin Kamara as almost like adding a Christian McCaffrey when Drew Brees returns, especially in any type of half-point PPR format and beyond. So, you know, look, if you can get a discount on Kamara, I think that's beside the point. It's just the fact is, is he even available? Because he never is. So, look, if you have the ammo to do it, even at fair market value, if you're a winning team and can somehow land Alvin Kamara this week, I think we have some pretty good guys we can offer in return. It may be a realistic possibility if you have the extra assets. You can't do it and leave yourself thin. This is a luxury move. Uh, it's certainly worth an investigation. Matt Breida, uh, San Francisco 49ers running back. Let's just give you the 
uh, week five snap share that he had with Tevin Coleman, who was really good in return as well. So we know Breda had the monster game, 129 yards, two touchdowns, the big 88-yard carry, but only a 34% snap count, 14 touches uh, for Matt Breda, who was out-touched by Tevin Coleman. Obviously, that game got a little bit lopsided on Cleveland. And so, you know, it's potential that the 49ers could have pulled back a little bit, but you know, he may ultimately be a keep. Just and that's a good team and a Matt and a Kyle Shanahan offense and run game. You just want a piece of it. And Brita is like, pretty hard to say. He hasn't solidified himself as a principal in that Kyle Shanahan uh, running back. But look, who knows for sure? I'd gauge his value in my league. I would shop Matt Brita for sure this week. Sony Michelle the same. I'd see what he's worth in my league this week and make some decisions from there just based on what his value is in your league. He's only had two out of five games this year that were decent, uh, no real monsters either, and still running at a sub-50% snap count. If you own Sonny Michelle, I'd say diligence just dictates that you examine this situation, and if you end up... Uh, you know, if if you can see what you can get for him, see if you can parlay him into one of these deals we're going to talk about later. I, I would do it, man. If I could put a Sony Michelle and one of the, and and Aaron Jones together, or one of these other guys together, and make a big move on one of the biggest guys in fantasy, uh, you know, I might consider it. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll hone in on that a little later. Um, you know, and if you end up having to keep Sony Michelle. I think you just got to view him for what he is. It's a really nice flex play. He's not an RB1. He's not going to be. He may not even really be an RB2. You know, the big deal is that he's attached to Tom Brady in that offense. Uh, Obviously, let's let's see here. We got, let me give you the touchdown dependency numbers. 40% touchdown dependent for Michelle. Still, that's just, you know, 16 touches per game. It's just not going to be a reliable number. It's a flex guy. Damian Williams of Kansas City came back last week and looked to pretty much take the lead in Kansas City. But, you know, so he's probably a hold, but it's certainly not what you signed up for with Damian Williams. You know, the LaShawn McCoy trade, the injury, it's just torpedoed the whole thing. Last week was encouraging leading the backfield, but guys, it was only on 12 touches and a 56% snap count. Damian Williams, similar to Sonny Michelle, I'd say he's just a flex play. The good thing he's is he has no buy really in sight until week 12. So, hey, you know, you don't have to worry about that for a while. I'd say keep an eye on what's going on with Damian Williams. Melvin Gordon, probably a hold. He's not going to be valued enough by one of the parties in any potential in a potential trade deal. That's just how that's going to shake out. Um think we just may have to live with a little less than what we were used to out of melvin gordon this season i think we kind of expected that uh, because it is uh i don't think it's something he's really pushing for heading into a big you know contract year i think that melvin gordon is probably enjoying playing it safe too with this contract year on the horizon uh so, uh, you know, I'm not expecting la- – I think he's a good play, and I'm glad to roster him. If I have him, as a big boon to your team that he's come back as early as has, has and they're reintegrating him as fast as he as he has been. Uh, I'm just not sure we're going to get max workload, though, out of Melvin Gordon this year because I don't think he wants that either. It was 16 to touches for Gordon to 18 touches for Eckler this last week. 
uh, 46 to 66 percent snap count. Eckler's advantage again. This is what's this is what's going to trick the Eckler owners into overvaluing Eckler at this point and and probably holding him too long, thinking he's a great standalone flex. And at some point, it's just going to run dry. But you know, based on where they drafted him at, they may ultimately be happy with that. I still say if if you're not just bone dry at flex or running back, if you don't need an Eckler, like you know, you, you should consider getting what you can because that should dry up at at some point. But at this point, he's going to be considered a standalone flex, and there's no deal to be had there. As far as back to Melvin Gordon, um, I think that snapshot is clearly going to equalize with Austin Eckler and before it probably going to invert and Gordon will, even though not get the massive workload this year in all likelihood, still retain a, a probably a pretty clear lead role as we see the snap counts evolve here over the course of the season. Uh, you know, it's at least going to trend that direction for Melvin Gordon. And, you know, he may ultimately become a buy. Melvin Gordon may. If his owners, who have been so patient for this so long, fail to get what their infl- maybe they had improper, overinflated expectations, if they if they fail to get what they were hoping to return the next few weeks out of Melvin Gordon, and they're not wise to all this, he may actually become a buy at uh, some point. So we'll keep an eye on him. Mark Ingram, running back, Baltimore Ravens, got the twenty-one touches and the touchdown last week. Still 65% snap count, which is just a tick below that threshold. Uh, so he, we got, we should treat him more like a Devontae Freeman, uh, you know, which is really in the kind of like RB2 to low end RB2 neck of the woods. And when you look at Mark Ingram on a points per game basis, you realize he's the running back six on the season and standard. Those two things, two things don't comport, right? So, I mean, that tells you that Mark Ingram, he has the profile of an RB2 who's producing his RB6. That's not going to stay, right? Um, so I think we're – he's been a good play, yeah, but I think that Mark Ingram is a guy we continue to look at to move up in the world if we can. We parlay – we love to parlay these RB2s into elite starters when we can through these two-for-one trades uh, that we've talked about so much uh, speaking of Devonte Freeman, I think he's a hold, probably, but maybe a sell uh, if you can peddle his targets in any kind of half point or full point PPR format where people are feeling good. I know Alex texted me about the target share this last week for Freeman. It was actually the week before that against Tennessee where he had the nine targets. But point taken is the targets have been good for Freeman. I just don't think you can rely on that. For your fantasy, you know, he's a running back. I get the targets. That's great for PPR. But at the end of the day, he's a running back. And that's been pit- – the whole thing's been pitiful in Atlanta. Uh, and I'm not sure I blame Freeman. It's just they don't – I just the Falcons, in my opinion, don't look good, even though Matt Ryan's putting up some bananas fantasy stuff. Um, 15% uh, touchdown dependency for Devontae Freeman. On You know, that's it. On that offense – there are going to be some big games to come, you know, so for Freeman's, so like I said, this one goes either way, a hold or a sell. I wouldn't blame you if you could level up, especially I, in fact, for the right guy, I would encourage it. Um, just don't like relying on a running back for receiving yards and, you know, all these targets a game as my baseline production. I mean, the running game is just 
been bad, you know, in Atlanta. It's been really, really puny. And I mean, but, but the bottom line is it's been three solid fantasy games in a row on paper for Devontae Freeman. So it could be a, a, a clever time to try to slide him over to a less assuming, less suspecting player in your league in a two-for-one deal where you're getting the premium uh, player in return. David Montgomery, uh, people want to sell him. This is another one that I saw come in on Twitter. I wanted to take note of for this uh, podcast. David Mitchell, the Davy Gravy on Twitter, at Rosterwatch. Dear God, if I could get something, anything for David Montgomery, I'd give him up. So I noted that for this pod because, of course, he was somebody we were interested in buying recently based on his trends. Um, I think you probably got to hold him with the buy, you know, on the horizon. Uh, but we definitely saw a, a concerning regression in snaps and touches this last week. And you got, you kind of hope you can chalk that up to some kind of cockamamie game in London where things got out of whack against the Raiders. Then you're playing with your backup quarterback. I think we'll have to see how, you know, how Montgomery looks coming out the other side of the bye before we can probably do much with them. Uh, but I wanted to put him on here because I know you guys are asking about him. If you're still not get convinced about Montgomery because you just get the feeling that Nagy's not going to make that commitment, then I think you're going to have to wait to absorb the bye, wait for a good game, and then ship him out if you're one of these guys that's ready to get off that bus. And guys, obviously getting Mitch Trubisky back is uh, is going to help us out too. And then let's flip over to the wide receiver market for week six. It begins with Will Fuller. How could it not? A 50-plus point fantasy monster, 200 over 200 yards receiving and a three touchdowns. I mean, really need we say more? I mean, Will Fuller coming off of that game is by definition a textbook sell high, a player like him. Uh, if your league mates are buying the hype, I'm selling Will Fuller all day right now for whatever I can get. He had four forgettable games to begin the season before the monster. We still got Kenny Stills coming back sooner than later. I'd sell Will Fuller right now in a deal for an elite player. Maybe somebody like his teammate, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, it might feel risky to ditch a player like Will Fuller uh, coming off of a monster like that. But guys, we're not living in the past. We're, we got to live in the future and uh, you'll feel the, real exhilaration of life if you ship real fuller off in the right deal this week amari cooper he was a hold or a possible sell in previous episodes for a super elite player just based on touchdown dependency and kind of a minimal uh, target volume he finally had that big burly yardage monster last week and it was in a tough matchup i mean you know that that's a good sign uh, we know he has great separation skills. It's just sometimes he hasn't been matchup uh, proof. That was a good sign. But And now we've got two amazing matchups on the horizon right before the bye for Amari Cooper, the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. So Amari Cooper, uh, purely a hold at this point, and the number two fantasy uh, receiver, the number two receiver in all of fantasy, at least by standard scoring on the season. Uh, 37% touchdown dependency. He's locking into a sustainable rate on his production. I mean, that's a good, prof- pretty good profile for the number two guy. We still want to see the targets go up a little bit. I think we know his points are going to come in waves like they always have, but maybe what we're starting to see, we're going to, maybe what we can hope for out of Amari Cooper here is that those big waves of those points, they're going to 
they're going to be more frequent this year, and maybe they're going to be bigger than ever. DJ Chark, wide receiver, Jacksonville Jaguars, the real breakout young guy. We scouted him at the Senior Bowl a few years ago, a real speedster. Love to see how he's developing out of LSU. He's a hold or a sell, the number three wide receiver in all of fantasy, uh, DJ Chark. Uh, you know, but he's the opposite of Will Fuller. Will Fuller's had four bad games out of five and one monster. DJ Chark has had four good games, and including a big one. So I'm not itching to sell DJ Chark. I think he's the real deal. I think if you sometimes we got to just zoom out a little bit, you know, have some perspective on these things. So we're not just making decisions in the heat of the moment and, you know, try to think rationally about what we're talking about here. I mean, we are talking about DJ Chark being the number three receiver in all of fantasy. I mean, if you told, if yourself now had told yourself two months ago that you would have fallen out of your chair and you wouldn't have believed it, right? You would have never taken that bet. Not to say that's necessarily indicative. I mean, sometimes we got to realize things for what they are, which is why I'm saying Chark is a good player and very well could be a hole. You know, that said, everybody's got their prize. And I mean, you've got to think about flipping a Chark for somebody like an Odell or a DeAndre Hopkins right now. You know, maybe you're so out on Odell, you're just going to stick with Chark. I don't really blame you for that, but I think we have to at least uh, uh, consider that. Uh, if you can get, get a deal that you like, you consider taking your chances on selling DJ Chark at you know, an astronomical value, at least relative to anything we could have ever imagined just a few weeks ago. Uh, if not, there's another solid matchup on the horizon on deck this week for DJ Chark against New Orleans, and I'm happy to, 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 live, to, you know, to live on and to slide him right back into my lineup and keep plugging along. Wide receiver Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings, probably a hold. I know uh, he's considered a bit of a buy low in DFS circles this week. We, we follow some of the work that Josh Hermsmeyer does. Uh, I know he works with Evan Sylvia and the, that crew over at Establish the Run these days. Uh, but, you know, this is a season-long strategy podcast on the trade and on the on the buys and on the sells. So we're not so much looking at DFS indicators, but sometimes those things overlap. And I'd say that, you know, Adam Thielen is, is a hold. Um, in season long, maybe there's a little bit of a notion to sell him. Um, you're kind of betting on Adam Thielen's targets to pick up. They're so low right now. I mean, it depends on, you know, her, you know for instance, John Hermsmeyer and his you know, air yards by low model, which pertains more to DFS, those metrics would indicate that Adam Thielen's, you know, a by low. On the other hand, you're looking more at a season long format and you say, man, six targets a game on a 50% touchdown dependency. So this, that, those are, that's a bad profile for a fantasy. Uh, that's a profile of an overvalued uh, receiver in fantasy and season long. So a little bit, this depends on what you look at, you know, but much like DJ Chark, like we said with him, it's been, Really, four out of five games good for Adam Thielen uh, this season. It's been a little mini tear, like a little mini version, really, of what he was doing last year if you soak it in. Maybe not the huge upside on a given week, but really quite serviceable. So, you know, the question is with a guy like Thielen, you have to strategically, rationally think to yourself is, you know, who can I really move him for? You know, how much upward mobility is there? You know, so we're talking... Really, the elite of the elite are out there still right now, the DeAndre Hopkins, the Odell, Odell Beckhams of the world. You have to make the decision. Do you view How much of an upgrade do you view that over Adam Thielen? 
you know, I think Hopkins is still a pretty darn good upgrade over Thielen, but I have to admit it's not clear. It's not clear. This is your team. You know your team best. You know your league best. You know your scoring format the best. You guys can come use the tools at rosterwatch.com to help inform yourselves and make these decisions. Um, you know, but Adam Thielen, like you're thinking this week, do I want to take Adam Thielen and sell him for a Hopkins or an Odell or in some other package for some other super premium, you know, player that we may discuss here? Or you know, do I want to hold Adam Thielen and hope that that six targets a game goes up? Because if it does, like he looks like a pretty good, he's been a good play. He looks like a pretty good play. And who really, how much, how, you know, it's not clear how much I can improve my situation. These are the things that we have to keep in, uh, in mind. I wouldn't blame you uh, for keeping Thielen, though, the next few weeks, because as I look at it here, two of the next three weeks, he's got big matchups with Philadelphia and Washington. Philadelphia is this week. Washington's in week eight. They sandwich a more difficult but not impossible matchup against Detroit in week seven. Uh, And guys, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Stefan Diggs the last few weeks. Um, uh, Coming off another pedestrian week for him. This week, I think it's probably forced him back into the hold category and just wait to sell Stefan Diggs high after his next big game of the season. Because, again, contrary, you know, or, or as opposed to what we've seen out of Thielen, who's had four out of five good fantasy games this season, it's been four out of five bad games for Stefan Diggs so far this season, much more like a Will Fuller. How can you rely on that? I mean, it's not a reliable guy to put in your lineup. Uh, so, uh, again, Stefan Diggs could be like a buy low DFS guy because pricing comes into play this week. Uh, but I think he's a hold in season long, and I think he's a sell the next time you get the chance uh, to do it and something, unless something just absolutely drastically changes. Chris Godwin, I mean, he's just a keep, even at 41 touchdown percent touchdown dependent at this point. He's probably going to come down to earth some at some point, but, I mean, it just looks like Chris Godwin is the real deal. And boy, do you feel good if you followed the rules on the draft cheat sheets and you drafted Chris Godwin and Tyler Lockett in rounds three through five. I know a lot of y'all own both of them. Uh, He gets Carolina this week and then the bye next week for Chris Godwin. But I'd say for most of you folks, enjoy the ride. I'm not really itching to do anything with him, even though he's operating at a bananas uh, clip right now. Cortland Sutton, another guy who's been four good four out of five weeks this season. So, again, he's a guy we've been talking about the last few weeks. Can we package him in a deal for the right guy? I mean, more than likely, Cortland Sutton's just a flat-out hold at this point, and he's been undervalued uh, by everybody else so far but us. Uh, we'll, we'll keep him for now. He's a budding young star. I'd say Joe Flacco was really the only limitation on Cortland Sutton this season. You have to decide a little bit how you feel about that. Because if you hate Flacco and you hate that, you can certainly sell Cortland Sutton right now. Uh, the question is for who again? You know, he's a top ten wide receiver on the season in standard. You know, do you? I mean, maybe we value an Adam Thielen more than a Cortland Sutton, who we just said we're not sure if we even how much of an upgrade any of these other guys over our over our Thielen are over a Thielen. It seems like that's a different situation with Cortland Sutton. For sure, but you start looking at this and you're saying, I don't know. I mean, again, does everybody just undervalue Sutton? Is he that much worse 
Linda Thielen or any of these other guys uh, at this point because he's clearly claimed the number one spot in Denver. At least that's the way it appears over the last few weeks from Emmanuel Sanders in very short uh, order. He's only touched 30% touchdown dependent. Uh, Cortland Sutton is on the season. So I say at eight targets a game, what's not to love? There's really – it's things – I mean, things may in fact only get better uh, for Cortland Sutton on the season. So who are you trading for if you're trading Sutton? I mean, there's only four guys earning double-digit targets so far in the season. And Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins aren't aren't those guys. I, you know, I suppose if, if you're aggressive, I, I think it's a fine move to make to chase one of those dudes down with Cortland Sutton. And if it doesn't work out for you, you can't really feel bad about it because it's a highly calculated move. But I also think we need to read the tea leaves here and say, like, Cortland Sutton, the top 10 wide receiver so far in the season. He's been good four out of five weeks. He's only been 30% touchdown dependent. It's a low-volume passing attack, but he's emerging as the clear kind of like one number one guy and definitely red zone and big play threat. Uh, there's a lot to like about Cortland Sutton. I wouldn't trick yourself into undervaluing him and saying I have to sell him. So if you move – the point of that is if you move Cortland Sutton this week, it better be in a hell of a deal for the right person. Calvin Ridley, on the other hand, is going to be hit or miss with Mohamed Sanu. Um sharing that number two role two role with him in Atlanta. I still like Calvin Ridley a lot. I just don't think he's going to be a reliable weekly starter, which is okay from your flex or wide receiver three. None of those guys uh, really are. I mean, he's had three out of five pretty good games so far, so he looks pretty nice paper on paper. I mean, again, you can hold Calvin Ridley if you want, uh, but I would say he's the exact type of player versus a Cortland Sutton that we would want to use uh, to try to level up for an Odell Beckham or a DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe we save a Sutton or a Thielen to go after, chase down one of these Le'Veon Bells or the Alvin Kamara's of the world if we have the ammo uh, to do it. Uh, we'll get to some of those examples here in a minute. A minute. Speaking of Emmanuel Sanders, I think you guys can go any direction on him. I don't think I'm buying really in any situation. I'm probably pretty much personally hands off of Sanders but I do think depending on your view of him your league's view on Emmanuel Sanders he could kind of go any direction at this point he could be a sell for whatever you can get could be a hold could be a buy low coming off of two kind of down games I know some of you folks still think he may get traded some of you may just think he's going to rebound from a couple of bad games there in that offense I'd say more than likely he's going to be a hold for most folks Another player on the week six waiver wire, I mean on the week six trade market, uh, the week six fantasy football trade market, a guy we've been keeping an eye on is Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. Certainly an interesting guy. You've held him this long, which makes him more than likely a hold. Uh, I think he could be, you know, he could potentially be a sell for somebody who's been totally screwed and needs to get rid of him and make a move this week and just isn't really wise to everything and just isn't sure what to expect. And then I definitely think he could be a buy or a stash for a smart and winning team that's in a deep competitive format right now. And let me tell you why, Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson, you know, we missed the beauty, the big, beautiful matchup with Robbie Anderson last week because we had Sam Darnold out in that matchup 
Uh, I believe this was that Eagles secondary was just gorgeous. So we missed out on that big, beautiful matchup for Robbie Anderson. And then you're looking at this saying, well, Darnold's coming back, but you know his owners don't know what to expect out of Sam Darnold at this point. They don't have anything to prove that that's going to be something amazing. And we just know that Darnold looked good in camp and really loves Robbie Anderson as we've been to training camp uh, this summer. And then you look at it, you have Robbie Anderson now off a bad week last week, which was a big disappointment because that should have been a good week. You have the unknowns with Darnold coming back, and now you have Dallas, New England, and Jacksonville, the next three matchups for Robbie Anderson, New York Jets, uh, wide receiver. That's that doesn't, that doesn't really look good, you know what I mean? So I think you, know, you have to hope that if you're looking to buy as a stash on Robbie Anderson, I think it's smart. You have to somehow... You're going to have to convey that to his owner because not everybody looks that far ahead. Um, They may be disenfranchised with him, though, already. So um, the point is, the reason we're interested in Robbie Anderson as a late-season stash is because he could become an absolutely epic wide receiver three down the stretch on our fantasy teams. There's no Quincy Inunua. We've already got Chris Herndon with the hamstring injury. But most importantly, we've got to look at the matchups for week nine through 14 on Robbie Anderson. I rarely look this far out because we got to win and we got to win now. But this schedule is so eye popping. I had no option but to examine it and to, uh, to, to record it and to transmit it to you guys right here on the week six rosterwatch.com trade cast. Uh, please give us a follow on Apple podcasts, uh, the Roster Watch podcast. Uh, anyways, week 9 through 14, the most critical stretch of the season. Here's who Robbie Anderson faces. Miami Dolphins twice, the New York Giants, and the Washington Redskins. So he has four top five-ish matchups uh, in the last, what is that, six weeks of the season. And then he gets Oakland and Cincinnati in the, as the other two of those six matchups. Uh, which are all were very decent matchups. So this could be the source of a really nice boost. It's sneaky. This is what we come to this podcast for. You don't find this anywhere else. I mean, we can other people can put out the big names. That's pretty easy to do, or three or four trade targets a week. But we go, where do we go? 20, 30, 40 guys deep here sometimes. And this is a very sharp play. This is winning strategy for winning teams, four and one teams, five and oh teams in competitive formats to look to acquire Robbie Anderson potentially for peanuts. If not this week, maybe next week, maybe, maybe we wait for Anderson to have a bad week in one of these upcoming bad matchups. Maybe he has a bad week or two. This window could stay open here. This is somebody to keep an eye on because that is such a monster stretch uh, down a monster schedule down the stretch for Robbie Anderson. that I personally would love to have him in my wide receiver three spot all the way there weeks nine through 14 as we're heading towards and into the fantasy playoffs and if i can get it for cheap right now that would be an absolute just sneaky boon keenan allen a wide receiver chargers he's a he's an interesting guy i would say that keenan allen is definitely an interesting guy this week this is one alex was texting him about he's a keenan allen owner um there was you know i think we have to be honest and admit that there was some circumstantial inflation early in Keenan Allen's fantasy production. He's come back to earth a little bit the last two weeks. This Chargers line, offensive line, is an abs- turning into an absolute disaster with injury like it does every year. We Pouncey is now out for the year. I think it's a downgrade with Ke- for Keenan Allen. 
with all the other passing options and weapons returning. You know, we've got Hunter Henry getting back in the mix. Mike Williams got back in the mix with 13 targets last week. Those guys are going to take away from Keenan Allen. In some ways, they open it up, but when you start getting a couple guys back like that, they take away. When you have Austin Eckler getting 15 targets a game, you got Melvin Gordon coming back. They're going to try to feature him. All of that's going to take the sheen off of Keenan Allen a little bit. I just think it depends on what your personal perception of him is given your roster and what the perception of him is around your league. Not everybody might be that dialed in to these aspects. Uh, so he could be a hold. He could be a sell. I mean, hell, maybe there's he Keenan Allen in a certain circumstance, maybe somebody, another sharp player or somebody who's in a bind that's yeah, you know, I, I, coming off the maybe there's somebody who's in a bind that's coming off of two bad games with Keenan Allen, they're losing team, and they got to make a move. I mean, if I can get the right price, I mean anybody can become a buy, especially as somebody as good as Allen. I think we're projecting a little downward turn here, but if the price is right, uh, we can always, uh, you know, uh, poten- potentially be interested. So Keenan Allen is a very interesting. A uh, guy that I think that we need to be watching right now because uh, his production looks to be coming uh, down earth. And look, there, there might be somebody else in your league that's thinking like I am, and maybe I'm overreacting. And if you're not of that mindset, you have the liberty to try to take advantage of that. Golden Tate with Sterling Shepard down, uh, he's probably going to be hard to obtain, and he's obviously a hold if you have him and you listen to this podcast and you have seen the news on Sterling Shepard, but. You know, I'd say in the case where maybe there's an unsuspecting owner in your league, I'd say he's obviously a pretty sneaky buy right now or add to your team with Sterling Shepard out for the foreseeable future. Golden Tate uh, could have a sneaky little run here on the slot uh, for the New York Giants. Okay, guys, I want to get to a couple more uh, responses to user questions here before we get to examples of trades. Let's see here. Uh, here is one. Uh, let's see. Excuse me here. Sorry, guys. I've got I got this and all this stuff in my email. Okay, here it is. It was oh this was from Mike Guyton, a longtime follower as well. A big bad wolf, I think he is over at rosterwatch.com. My four stud starting running backs. Running too wide, Kyler at QB. Thanks to the cheat sheet. I've been offered James Conner or Josh Gordon. I've been offered James Conner for Josh Gordon and tight end. Okay, let me start over. My four stud running backs running two wide receivers, Kyler at QB. Question, I've been offered James Conner for Josh Gordon and a tight end. Now, this gentleman owns Josh Gordon. My depth at wide receiver and only playing two wide receiver most weeks. Do I have the liberty to make this move? Will Fuller and Michael Gallup would become my two wide receivers. Would you do this? And, of course, the reason I wanted to put, point this one out is that because he had Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson – and just one absolute other just stud running back. I, I, I'm not finding it right here in the thread. But where I was going with that is, you know, that's one of these ones that doesn't make any sense. You know, he's thin at wide receiver. 
You look at him, he's got Josh Gordon and Chris Godwin, and then he's got Will Fuller, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, Terry McLaurin behind that. Okay, he's not thin. He's got some decent he's got some decent wide receiver depth there, and he's only starting two guys every week. But I mean, I certainly think instead of you know, you're, the point of this is that if he trades for two for if he trades one of his tight ends, who's a Mark Andrews and a Josh Gordon, for a James Conner, one of his stud running backs go to his bench every week. It's a nice trade, maybe in principle, if you've got the wide receiver depth to do it, which he might. If you've got the tight end depth uh, to do it, he might. But what are you going to do? You're going to have James Conner on your bench every week. You just said, uh, you know, you've already got four studs at running back, so it just doesn't make you know much sense. You'd be much better off listening to this podcast, taking the advice, taking a guy like Will Fuller, realizing that you shouldn't trust him. And package him. Package him with a Josh Gordon with you if you want. Package him if if you have a backup tight end by, behind Mark Andrews. That's you know not going to be much of a drop off if you picked up a Will Disley or something. Big bad wolf. Then that's fine. But don't go after another running back because you're already stacked beyond what you can even use or ever capitalize on uh, there. So take those guys and then upgrade at your other wide receiver position that would be my best advice to you that's the way that you guys need to think about these things just step through them think logically what are my needs how can i optimize here all right guys before we close this edition of the rosterwatch.com trade cast out let's give you a few mock examples of trades that we would look to make this week trades i think might actually be able to occur let's start with Le'Veon bell uh, i think this could extend to an alvin Kamara as well these are certainly uh, the two of the very, very big fish on the week. Le'Veon Bell being most likely the reasonable, most reasonable and most prime target. Guys, why don't you consider taking an Aaron Jones, a Todd Gurley, a Mark Ingram, a Melvin Gordon, a Devontae Freeman, a Tevin Coleman. Take one of those guys and take another pretty decent player. You know, a good flex, a good wide receiver two. Or, I mean, a, a sell a sell high flex or sell high wide receiver two. Maybe one of the Calvin Ridleys or Emmanuel Sanders or one of these other guys that we mentioned earlier. I mean, if you need to step it up a notch from there, you guys can rewind on this podcast and listen to some other options. Why don't you take those two guys and package them for Le'Veon Bell and bring yourself back that one big premium player in a two-for-one and clear that roster spot so you can go back to the waiver wire and cultivate cultivate more of this replacement value that we will continue to use because there's there's an endless a near endless supply of that as the season goes on. A stagnant roster is not a good roster. Um, so go for Le'Veon Bell this week, guys. Take your Aaron Jones. Take your Todd Gurley. Take your Mark Ingram. Maybe even take your Melvin Gordon. If you're coming around on the idea that this is not going to be the Melvin Gordon we're used to, uh, even though it's going to trend that direction, but it's never going to get all the way there. I, I might rather have a Le'Veon Bell with his buy out of the way. That's, you know, obviously very valuable at this point. So take take one of those guys, package them with somebody else, see if you can go land Le'Veon Bell this week. That's a smart uh, trade. Like I said, Alvin Kamara might be the other guy I aim for in a similar uh, type deal. He's been good, but not out of this world. I don't think you're going to get a discount. You're going to have to pay up for him, but he may actually be available, which was, you know, a big development in its own right. And then, look, you know, let's use DeAndre Hopkins as the wide receiver example for this mock trade. We'll kind of construct, 
you know, why not take a Will Fuller and another good flex that we've talked about today? One of the Calvin Ridleys of the world, Emmanuel Sanders, one of these guys. You know, nobody, maybe a Matt Breida, maybe a Sony Michelle, maybe nobody really better than that. Why not take Will Fuller and Sony Michelle and get DeAndre Hopkins? Why not take uh, Will Fuller and Calvin Ridley and go to a team that needs two players and get DeAndre Hopkins? Why not take a Matt Breida and a Calvin Ridley uh, to a desperate DeAndre Hopkins owner and see if you can uh, track him down? Or a Sony Michelle and a Calvin Ridley? Some combination here, something along these lines, guys, might not work in every league, but I, there's truly got to be some deals to be done here. You know, maybe the other guy I mentioned, some of you were itching to sell D- David Montgomery earlier in the podcast. Throw him in that batch too. If you can use a David Montgomery as one of the uh, keys to getting yourself a DeAndre Hopkins, you know, go for it. Uh, if it's a losing team that rosters Hopkins who you're targeting, I'm not sure how much they want to take Montgomery in on his bye week, but something to consider um, if you're looking to pedal David Montgomery. Uh, you know, it, just think about how amazing it would be uh, to flip Will Fuller for his teammate DeAndre Hopkins in just a blink of an eye after a one outrageous game by Will Fuller. I think you could also consider putting a DJ Chark, a Chris Godwin, a Cortland Sutton, maybe a Juju into one of these deals as one of the principles if you have to. You're just going to have to take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror before you do that and you know decide how much more you like DeAndre Hopkins than any of those guys. But you know, there's certainly an argument for it. And if you're in that camp, uh, man, we're, we're here to win, go big or go home. We're not living scared. We're not scared to make the big moves. And I don't think you can ever make feel bad taking any of those two of any of those guys we just discussed and making a move for DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, bef- when you choose those two, that combination of those two players, choose wisely uh, and make sure, you know, you choose wisely based on your evaluation on how much Hopkins will help your team and on you know how much value you think DeAndre Hopkins will have uh, the rest of the season. All right, everybody, please remember it would mean so much to us uh, to rate and review this podcast. Subscribe to the Roster Watch podcast on Apple Podcasts. When you leave a rating, please leave a five star rating. When you leave a review, please leave a glowing review. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Roster Watch and support us on the website rosterwatch.com. Uh, with a pro subscription we are so thankful for each and one of you every one of you that listens to our hard work uh, every single week really around the calendar as we go from fantasy season uh, straight to the senior bowl straight to the nfl combine straight to all the university pro days uh, the rookies coming out and heading into the nfl draft and onto the nfl draft and then onto the Uh, NFL training camps is always a continuous cycle at rosterwatch.com for rosterwatch nation and we cannot thank you guys enough for all of your loyal and longtime support this is byron lambert it's been my pleasure and until next week be good 